Well, good evening everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. Not at the Whistle Stop Cafe, but I am in Mira, Alberta. My house, my office. Uh, I was just doing a little bit of reading and a little bit of uh, poking around on Facebook. And there's a couple of things that I kind of wanted to have been talk I've wanted wanted to have talked about for a few days now. So, first off, Government has become the new God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Government, our government, now thinks they are our God or our gods. Even our opposition government here in Canada, the, uh, the uh, Progressive Conservative Party of Canada, uh, they changed some of their policy. One entry in particular used to say, a belief in loyalty to a sovereign in united Canada governed in accordance with the Constitution of Canada, the supremacy of God, and the rule of law. Which makes sense, because that's kind of how our Constitution reads as well, right? You know what it reads now? I'm going to read it to you. A belief in loyalty to a sovereign and united Canada governed in accordance with the Constitution of Canada, the supremacy of democratic parliamentary institutions and the rule of law. Supremacy of democratic parliamentary institutions and the rule of law. So even our Conservative Party of Canada believes that the government is supreme. The government is not supreme. And they were never, ever supposed to be supreme. We've just allowed them to become supreme because, well, maybe we don't pay attention to when our Prime Minister says that he admires the basic dictatorship of China. China has a supreme leader. So does North Korea. Even those in our conservative parties in this country have abandoned the principles of the supremacy of God and the rule of law. So I'm going to take a minute just to read a little uh, transcript of a speech that was delivered at an Independence Party of Alberta meeting. Uh, and it was delivered by... Uh, uh, my goodness. Uh, Lanny Rulard. I think her name is. Anyway, she's the lawyer for Stacy's Happy Place. And if you don't know anything about Stacy's Happy Place, it's a bookstore and coffee shop in Eckville, Alberta, that did something similar to what I did and stayed open against the restrictions. Anyway, so they're uh, trying to take AHS to task in court for what they're doing. I'm going to read this to you. And I am hoping to get uh, Lanny on the... Uh, the podcast here one of these days, but for now, I'm just going to read this too. So, here goes. Not my words. Uh, this is the lawyer for Stacy's Happy Place, Lanny. I'd like to thank my good friend Catherine Kowalczyk for inviting me here today. Special thanks to the Independence Party for having me here to speak on the Great Cup. I would also like to introduce the heroes in the story I'm about to tell you. We're fortunate to have the the Cholak family from Stacy's Happy Place join us this afternoon. And there was some applause there. It even says applause. 
My name is Landy Rulliard. Rulliard. I'm a lawyer from Sylvan Lake, Alberta, and I own and operate Rulliard Law Office. This case I'm about to tell you about has significantly changed the way I view the law. Now, here, now these are some of my words now. Uh, over the course of the last three years, I have met dozens of lawyers who are now embarrassed and ashamed of their profession and where it's gone. Not what they want to do as lawyers, uh, but what they've seen happen to the judiciary in this country and in this province. Uh, Lanny's not alone in this. <clears throat> anyway, back to this. To be honest, there have been times it has been made me question my career as a lawyer. It's also made me question my respect for authority and the organizations that govern us. But most of all, it has made me question our humanity, including my own. This is a significant statement considering it is the family, not me, who experienced what I'm about to share with you. Despite the division we see in here, I've come to understand there are no teams here. There is no defining politic, race, creed, gender, or religion. There's just us and the humanity we create between us. That's it. Across the street, there's the banks, big corporations, and the government. But over here, it's just us. So, why is this Stacy's Happy Place case important? Broadly speaking, two main takeaways from this case. First, this case provides a clear example of the pattern of enforcement specifically designed to close small businesses in Canada. Now, keep in mind, uh, you could really imagine that uh, Lanny's talking about my situation or, you know, Jesse from Without Papers Pizza or uh, Adam Skelly from Adam Adamson Barbecue, uh, my friends Carrie and Marla from the former Outlaws Tapos and Grill uh, in Calgary, any of these. Anyway, I'll continue. Second, and perhaps the biggest takeaway, is the admission of AHS that they knew these enforcement measures were in contravention of the law. The irony of this is that the businesses who faced the greatest enforcement during COVID were actually the ones who complied the most with Canadian law. Interesting. Not only that, you, the people, never had the legal authority to enforce these mandates in the first place. Who enforced the mandates that AHS imposed on Alberta? You did. I didn't. Maybe you didn't. But the people did. It wasn't AHS standing at the door of restaurants asking to see Vax passes. It wasn't AHS um, working at a retail store demanding that the patrons put masks on. It wasn't any of them. It was the people, regular everyday Albertans. Why is that? Because AHS could not enforce these rules. They knew they were acting illegally. But as David Brown, a senior executive with uh, AHS, or pardon me, senior manager with AHS, stated, we know the mandates are illegal. That's why we get the public to enforce for us. And the public did enforce. There was a few people in my town that called the police on me, the Petroleum Safety Council, uh, OHNS, AHS, you name it, all the alphabet organizations, and they did the enforcing on behalf of the government. Let's continue. Why does this case matter? Referring to Stacy's Happy Place. This case isn't just about Stacy's family. 
It's about a significant institutional shift whereby the subjective belief or assertion of a government agent will determine whether you, in con- whether you are in contravention of the law, not the laws themselves. For example, David Brown attending the Whistle Stop Cafe telling me that I was in contravention of the law and that he was going to seize my property. To which I replied, under what authority do you have, or no, I said, what, you don't have the authority to seize my property without a court order? And he replied, I have all the authority. And then directed the RCMP goons to prevent me from entering my property. He seized my property, put a chain on the door, didn't secure it properly, didn't allow me to secure it properly, took authority that didn't belong to him, and used another of our institutions that's supposed to be there to protect us, the RCMP, to accomplish this. This is bad news bears. Anyway, I'll keep going. Another word for this concept is totalitarianism. When the law is defined by the beliefs of the government authority, not by objectively defined laws. Now, let me elaborate on that. What's, what Lanny's saying here is that these AHS inspectors can attend, or a government agent can attend your business. They can decide that you're guilty of an infraction and enforce on the spot, and enforce in such a way that they take away a permit or something like that. Now, you might say, well, you can just go to court and get your permit back. We're going to go into this a little later in this speech, but how long does it take to go through that? Two years? Three years? Five years? I mean, we have men sitting in jail right now, 700 days, just just about 700 days that haven't been heard in court to prove they're innocent. AHS comes and closes a building or closes a business. You have to go to the Public Health Board uh, appeal. Uh, which is a kangaroo court at best. And if that doesn't work, you have to have a judicial or file for a judicial review of what AHS did. So let's get into that. So an overview of Stacy's Happy Place. Background. Small business belonging to a family of five in Eckville, Alberta. They sell coffee, books, and some retail items. In January 2021, AHS inspections began and culminated in more than 30 inspections, three business closures, Six AHS orders, three public health appeal board appeals, all denied. Three judicial reviews in the Court of King's Bench, one already denied. Three applications by AHS to dismiss our judicial reviews uh, on the grounds of mootness, lack of legal representation, and security for costs. Quasi-criminal charges against the owner, Stacy, in provincial court based on her business's corporate inspection records that the AHS inspectors provided to the Crown. Yes, this is a breach of our privacy legislation. But what do we do? Spend a half a million dollars to go to court and prove that AHS acted illegally? The pattern of enforcement and conduct of AHS and the Public Health Appeal Board during the past three years has been nothing less than shocking. AHS served a closure order on the family whereby they deliberately removed the notification of your right to appeal. 
complaints that were unverified and incapable of being uh, being sent through the AHS portal because they were missing too much information were used to justify more than 30 inspections of the business, six orders and three closures of a business that is so low risk, it only warrants an annual re review according to AHS risk assessment policies related to food, food permits. Approximately 10 complaints were alleged to be received by AHS, but the only one verified was a provincial employee funded and hired by the province to report complaints related to businesses during COVID-19. Did you catch that? The only verified complaint was a provincially funded rat hired by the province to handle COVID complaints. You paid for that. Most of the inspections were conducted from outside the business and included allegations of spies coming and going from the business. These spies were actually family members coming and going from the business. Example, one of the daughters works across the street at the Chinese restaurant and walked back and forth between the businesses with a hoodie on and a cell phone in their hand. AHS altered the inspection records or reports to include additional offenses that were submitted as evidence by AHS during the appeal hearings. Some of the offenses didn't even apply to the business since it doesn't prepare or sell food. So they made things up on reports after the fact and entered that in as evidence to persecute Stacy's Happy Place. The family was subjected to an unlawful search and seizure without a warrant half an hour before the preliminary hearing of the first appeal. The entire family, including their 16-year-old daughter, who didn't work at the business, were threatened with arrest by the RCMP. They were also threatened with obstruction and business closure if they didn't give their cash register receipts to AHS. To avoid missing the preliminary hearing, the family provided the receipts to AHS and the Public Health Appeal Board, allowed them to be used, or al allowing them to be used against the business by AHS during the first hearing. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like extortion and intimidation to me. And where's the remedy for that? AHS then took the business's corporate AHS inspection records to the Crown and pursued quasi-criminal offenses through the provincial court against the owner personally. Does this sound familiar? All this was going on while it was going on at my restaurant as well. And I can tell you, this happened to a lot of other restaurants as well. It was never understood what the offenses were from the ticket since it referred to a 15-page CMOH order. Multiple dates of the offense were referred to. And two locations were referenced within a six-month span. Fines for the offenses ranged from $10,000 to $100,000. AHS inspection records of the business did not reference the owner, so the AHS inspector provided a typed, unsigned, undated statement containing information gathered about the owner personally during their inspections. The same AHS inspectors then deemed, er, denied the business owner legal representation and repeatedly demanded access to the business to inspect and gather evidence. If this was not provided, the business was closed for obstruction by AHS without a court order. So yeah, 
AHS agents of the government can uh, be the judge, jury, and executioner and close a business like that with no remedy for a business owner, by the way, besides the Public Health Appeal Board that is really a waste of money and uh, nothing works there. It escalated to the point that the business posted no trespass signs in, in relation to only to these two health inspectors. Despite this, the two inspectors again attended at the business on the evening of Thanksgiving and physically refused to leave, stating trespass laws did not apply to them. That's true. Trespass laws don't apply to government agents. Do you want to know why? Because that's not actually your property. You don't own that. You don't own anything. You're granted the privilege of occupying a place or a piece of land as long as you pay the property tax to the municipality. But it's not yours. And because it's not yours, because it's a public space, the government and the government's agents can enter as they wish. And if you decide to say, you're not coming in here, this is my property, <laughs> you'll find out very fast as you are maybe handcuffed, maybe uh, face down on the ground with a knee in your back by the cops that it is in fact the government's property and they're just allowing you to occupy it for a certain period of time. Ultimately, AHS closed the business for obstruction in the absence of any health violations or the court order required by the Public Health Act because the business owner stood by her right to legal counsel. First point to be made is that AHS cannot enter a business without, without the consent of the owner, but in this case, the owners were told trespass laws did not apply to AHS. Second point is that the owner had a right to legal representation once AHS provided the inspection records of the business, which is a corporation, to the Crown to prosecute it personally. AHS took the position that the owner was not entitled to legal representation, although a lawyer had to be present with AHS if Stacey's lawyer was present. See how that works? AHS's lawyers are uh, working with an unlimited budget, by the way. In addition to the inspections, AHS required in-person meetings between the owner and the AHS inspectors to maintain her food permit. They did that to me, too. This, fall, or this allowed the AHS inspectors full access to the business and the owner to gather evidence for the quasi-criminal offenses without the protection of legal representation. AHS also refused to send alternate inspectors, though there were 39 in the region at the time. A warrant was issued when the owner tried to appear in provincial court, but was refused entry into the courthouse without a mask that she cannot wear for medical reasons. Months later, the RCMP came to the business and arrested the owner, released her, and set the matter for trial. In December of 2022, we obtained a court order restricting these two AHS officers from attending the business. On Wednesday, April 26, 2023, the Crown requested to withdraw the provincial court offenses, and the case was never heard due to lack of evidence. It took nearly two years for that to occur making it apparent that the process is the punishment in the absence absence of the law. 
Lenny didn't mention in here that uh, when Stacy was arrested, it was much different than when I was arrested. The morning of my protest, I had a conversation with uh, the late Sergeant Bruce Holiday, And I said to him, I said, Bruce, I'm not sure uh, how things are going to go or what you're planning to do today, but there's going to be a lot of people here. And if you arrest me in uh, some big dramatic fashion, I'm concerned that people might get a little bit hot under the collar and there's there end up being a situation. So I said to him, if you have to arrest me, tell me, and I will meet you at the edge of the property where that can be done with no drama because I don't want any problems for anybody that's attending this protest. And he nodded yes as he said, well, I can't talk about that and I can't say if you're getting arrested. Anyway, he did phone me. He says, hey, can you uh, come over to the South Gate? I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. I made my phone calls, made my preparations. I knew I was going to get arrested. And I walked over and quietly um, had the conversation with Sergeant Holiday, and he arrested me and put me in the cop car. What they did to Stacy was they barged in the front door and tackled her to the ground and put handcuffs on her. There's a video of that out there. You can find it. And it took two years for that stuff to disappear. So for two years, this stuff was in limbo. Um, people were made to believe that Stacy had done something illegal or wrong or whatever. And she was punished through the process. Sound familiar? There's four men in remand who are being punished by the process right now. Denied bail, lives destroyed, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on legal representation while they wait for trial. They're being punished by the Crown through the process. And that is fucking bullshit. I didn't mean to... I didn't mean to swear there. Maybe I did. The most prevalent form of enforcement was business closure for non-compliance with the provincial COVID-19 guidelines that were illegal, by the way, that are not law and even stated they were guidelines. The business was told they had a legal requirement to take down a sign that mask exemptions are welcome and put up a sign stating masks are mandatory. The owner was told to mislead people with mask exemptions as to their rights and give them the impression they could not enter the business without a mask. The AHS inspector acknowledged the potential for liability to the business in a conversation that was recorded. This is a family of five. Their business was closed for not socially distancing from each other with masks on. And the owners, husband and wife, were shamed we're drinking a cup of coffee together at a table while unmasked. Well, to be fair, our uh, provincial chief medical officers of health actually told us that we should be having sex with our partners um, by using glory holes, and we should be being creative by having sex around corners of walls and things so we didn't have to breathe on each other and potentially expose each other to COVID. What a bunch of friggin' lunatics. They were accused of having in-store dining due to the chairs in their store and were told to remove all chairs from the business, although it was acknowledged it was permissible to sit in a bookstore and read a book. They were told they were required to write a COVID relaunch plan using a guideline template from the provincial government, and in the plan, they must state they would follow all of the provincial guidelines. Upon the owner providing the written relaunch plan with these statements, AHS would then put these statements into an order 
to enforce guidelines against this business as if they were mandatory. The owners refused to provide this document to AHS because this would have allowed AHS to write their own laws by enforcing their mandates through contract. AHS cited the business's refusal as a reason for closure, although the relaunch template was clearly marked by the province of Alberta as optional. This is interesting. I was made to fill out the COVID relaunch template as well. And at the time, I was under bail conditions because I'd already been arrested and released on bail. And one of my conditions, which I regret to this day signing, was that I would follow the provincial health guidelines, including the COVID bullshit. So when I filled out my template, I did a proper hazard assessment. I did a hazard assessment on uh, COVID-19, those types of things. I actually included uh, the hazards of masking and all of the other stuff. And I did a risk matrix, a uh, 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 risk matrix and stuff like that. And I said, okay, well, this is the risk for COVID-19. This is the, uh, this, this is the severity and this is the frequency and it's low. So no action required. And that's what I submitted because that was the truth. I'm not going to lie on a uh, relaunch template by not properly doing a hazard assessment. 20 years in the oil patch has taught me that we're supposed to identify and control potential hazards if it warrants it. If it doesn't, we don't do anything. So that's what I did. I didn't like that, but they had to accept it because they knew I was right. So back to this. Let's not forget, regardless of the inappropriate conduct by AHS, negative information about the business being enforced against is immediately publicly posted by AHS on their website. This means businesses are guilty until proven innocent with the stroke of a pen and the click of a mouse. I'm well aware of that. What is the pattern of enforcement for small business? The pattern is this. AHS enforces and unilaterally applies the law pursuant to their subjective interpretation. Information regarding the breaches of the business is posted publicly on the AHS website. If the business appeals, the Public Health Appeal Board hears the appeal and rejects it on the basis of inaccurate evidence and unfair hearing processes. Example, we received AHS disclosure on the second day of a three-day hearing after Stacy had been questioned. Example, the chair of the Public Health Appeal Board advanced his own application to dismiss and got AHS to file it. Another example, and Lanny's favorite, one of the board members told me to hold your tongue during a hearing, told Lanny. He recused himself and sent me a job offer that weekend. It's all filed in Evans before the courts, which is why I can speak about it, she says. Having failed before the PHAB, the business then must apply to the courts to conduct a judicial review of the PHAB decision. While this is occurring, AHS removes all enforcement, calls the action moot, and brings an application to dismiss. We were able to defeat the mootness argument due to the prejudicial information posted publicly online by AHS in the absence of a judicial process. If the affected party applies to the courts, they must have a lawyer to advance the case if they are a corporation. Even though you are aggrieved, the court does not allow access to justice if you are a corporation and you are not represented by a lawyer. Do you see the sticks they are putting in the spokes here? 
Now, this is a really interesting statement. If you are a corporation and are not represented by a lawyer, you cannot be heard. You cannot access justice. And when, when I uh, attended court for, uh, for Stacy's Happy Place um, in uh, Red Deer last week, even the judge, Judge or Justice Funk, she said, access to justice is not free. It can be costly. If we're aggrieved and we can't afford the cost of accessing justice, do we have justice? How's that supposed to work? Is there justice? Is there justice for small business owners? There certainly hasn't been for me or one of the, any of the other thousands of businesses across this country that were uh, subject to these rules and, and regulations and mandates. Specifically in Alberta, where they were deemed to be illegal, accessing justice costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, which means that justice is not available to everybody, which means we are not all treated equal under the law. Now, whether or not you agree with my politics or you agree with my position on COVID or anything, that should scare the ever-living shit out of you, knowing that we may not be able to access justice and have our day in court and really prove our innocence. How many thousands of lives have been destroyed in this province and in this country because people couldn't effectively... Uh, access justice. Good friend of mine spent hundreds of thousands of dollars fighting for his everything he'd worked for his whole life as an esteemed professional that saved many lives. And when he ran out of money and could no longer access justice, he also lost everything he had worked for. How fair is that? I'll continue. In this case, the Public Health Appeal Board applied for and was granted standing to appear to defend themselves against the allegations made about their conduct during the hearings. So we now have double the legal team, all at the taxpayer's expense. There are presently four AHS and provincial or Public Health Appeal Board lawyers on this case. Then there's one appearing for Stacy, pro bono, because... Who can afford hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend themselves against a monster like Alberta Health Services? She says, I need to underscore this because we are all dealing with access to justice issue for small businesses that blocks them from the courthouse after having been financially destroyed by a government agency. Is this not totalitarianism? Where is our system of checks and balances? What about our laws? If you folks hadn't stood up and supported me throughout what I was going through, I would have been destroyed a few weeks after I started. Probably maybe wouldn't have even got off the ground. I couldn't do that on my own. Nobody could do that on their own. Nobody can fight these agents of the government on their own. Isn't it mind-boggling to consider that the Alberta government has spent hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars to close this business alone, 
and several other businesses in your community for that matter. I'm going to end there because i got to get to bed. It's getting pretty late. But I want you to really chew on that, really think about it. You know, And as a matter of fact, share this video, please, if you don't mind. The one thing, the one silver lining of this whole COVID pandemic stuff that we've had to deal with is that a lot of these things have been brought to light. We've realized there's a lot of problems that need to be fixed. Now that we know there's a problem, we can fix them. But we're not going to fix them unless we can work together to do it. When, we when Stacy was in court, she ended up with uh, an order to pay advance costs in the amount of $7,000 just so she could continue with the judicial review. We need to help her with that. Anyway, I got to get to bed. Night, folks. Uh -huh.